This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. This is the night Henry Miller, the Nazi atom man, threatened to destroy every man, woman, and child in Metropolis by drowning. While all police authorities, aided by the army, guard every inch of the city's waterways, and Superman hovers high in the heavens, searching for the deadly foe who has twice brought him close to death, Miller, unseen by anyone, is slipping through the dark woods in the hills above Metropolis, bent on shattering the dam, holding back the water in the city's gigantic billion-gallon reservoir, and engulfing Metropolis. It is almost eight o'clock. The citizens, unaware of the fate hanging over their heads, are mystified by the great searchlights sweeping the river and canal, and the multitude of grim, armed men who patrol the banks. In Perry White's office at the Daily Planet, the gray-haired editor, Jimmy Olsen, and Lois Lane are tense with nervous excitement. Listen. What time does it get to be night, Miss Lane? What time? Yeah, what hour? I don't exactly know, Jim. When it gets dark, of course. Why? Oh, the Adam man said when it's night... He said... He's going to drown all of us like... like rats. And it's dark out now, oh, so... Oh, Jim, stop it. But he said he... Will was... you quit that he said business? For the last 24 hours, all I've heard is he said, he said, he said. But I... We know what he said, so stop repeating it. And anyway, I, uh, I don't believe it. You, you don't? No. The police and the army are guarding every foot of the canal and the river. And the reservoirs, too. Even if, if Miller has some kind of atomic power, he won't be able to get close enough to use it. He'll be shot. But what if he's disguised? Nobody will know him. Everyone has been barred from the vicinity of the canal and the river. They've been told on the radio and in the papers that anyone disobeying the order will be shot on sight. So if Miller shows his nasty face, he'll be taken care of in a hurry. But he doesn't have to get close. Mr. Kent says he can shoot his atomic power from a couple of hundred yards away. Good heavens. Now, now, it's Mr. Kent says. Confound it, old son, if we live through this night, I'm going to have Poco fried you in oil. And serve you up for breakfast as a cake. Uh, I mean a pancake. <laughs> Jim would be an awfully stringy pancake. We won't be having any breakfast tomorrow. Well, why won't we? Because we'll all be... We won't be anything of the kind. And if you think so, you you freckle-faced crepe hanger, what are you hanging around here for? Why don't you get on the train and go where you'll be safe? We're nothing doing. You and Miss Lane are staying here, and everyone else will. So am I. I'm not running away from any dirty Nazi. That's the way to talk, Jim. Oh, of course, of course, Jimmy boy. That's the way we all feel. We've been together a long time, and... uh, and if this is the end, though, mind you, I don't believe it, 
We'll see it through together. Of course we will, Chief. Oh, you bet. The four of us. Where's Kent? I don't know. I haven't seen him all afternoon. Oh, he's probably hiding under his bed. Now, that's not true, Miss Lane. Mr. Kent's as brave as you are. Why, I'll bet he's out looking for the Adam man right now. Nor on a plane headed for California. He is not. Didn't he find out about the young man in the first place and risk his life going to Sidney's house? And besides... Stop it, stop it, stop it, both of you. kidding, Jim. We're all nervous, and if we can get off our minds on what may happen... Listen, what's that? It's the insurance tower chimes. It's nine o'clock. Oh, golly. Maybe... Maybe at any minute. Jim... Now relax, both of you. We never showed the white feather to the Nazis before, and we're not going to do it now. Their nerves on edge, Perry White, Jimmy Olsen, and Lois Lane wait for disaster. Every moment drags like an hour. The smallest sound rings like the crack of doom. Meanwhile, high above the tense city, Superman streaks through the dark sky, his keen eyes searching the river below for the Atom Man. No sign of Miller yet. Oh, if only I knew where he planned to strike. And I'd better have another look along the canal. Away! No, he's not here. Oh, where is he? Threatened to drown the city. So he must plan to blast the riverbanks or destroy the canal and let the sea pour in or explode the reservoir system. But I haven't been able to spot him anywhere. Well, back along the river again. I must find him. Oh, there's still no sign. Wait. On that roof down there. A man! Go! No, it's not Miller. Hook! Hook! Oh, where is he? I can only take him by surprise and tear that converter off his throat. It controls his power. Then I can handle him. But I've got to do it before he lets loose with that deadly lightning. I've got to find him. Howard! Wheeling and turning like some great fish, the man of steel resumes his patrol of the river and canal, widening his range to examine all roofs nearby then rocketing away to circle the series of reservoirs which descend in ever-widening lakes from the distant blue hills to the very doorstep of the city. But in order to patrol as much territory as possible, he narrows his range to 200 yards of each objective, and so he fails to see the Atom Man in dark clothes and cap slipping stealthily from tree to tree through the black woods, still a half mile from the giant reservoir which, protected by a great concrete dam, looms like a mammoth basin above the city. And as the Atom Man approaches on his deadly mission, two unsuspecting guards, Joe Mitchell and Ed Terrace, pause after completing a circular tour of the huge silvery reservoir lake. Seems quiet as ever around here, Joe. Why do you suppose we got orders to watch out shop tonight? Can't imagine, Ed, but something's up. Look at all them searchlights down there along the river and canal. Yeah, just like during the war. And they were expecting an air raid. Yeah, but the war's over. Of course it is. Ain't no more saboteurs around we gotta watch out for. Well, we got to watch out for somebody. That's what the order said. Somebody who might try to blow up the dam. Nobody better try that. I've got my family down there in Metropolis. Uh, my boy and his wife live there, too. Hey, what's that? What? I just saw some lights across the water. There they go again. Where? Oh, yeah. Oh, those are the army boys signaling to each other. Sam Lawrence told me they're on patrol all the way up to the Blue Hills. Uh, if you ask me, someone's got the wind up about something that ain't going to happen. That's what I think, too. But we got to do as we're told. Should we go round again, Ed? Yeah, might as well. While we're walking and standing still. What's that noise? I don't know. Hey. Hey, look, Joe. What in time is that? What? Where? Coming out of the woods. You see? Gee, Jerusalem. Looks like lightning. Green lightning. But it can't be. Of course it can't. Lightning don't make that hissing sound. And, and look. 
keeps going in a straight line. Yeah, and it's heading for the dam. By Sean Whitey, look at that hole in the ground. Ned, what is it? I don't know. It's moving up to the dam now. Good Lord, if it hits the dam, that water's going to pour down and wash Metropolis off the map. Panic-stricken, the two guards watch the strange forked green lightning leap from the dark woods. Like devil's fingers probe its way toward the huge dam, exploding monstrous craters wherever it hits the earth. The Atom Man is about to make good his threat. Where is Superman? We'll return in a moment for the exciting climax of today's episode. But right now, here's Dan McCullough to talk about the collecting of comic buttons. You know, these days when it gets dark so early and uh, you can't play outside, you members of the gang are having more and more time to work on your collection of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pep. You can sort over your buttons and count up how many different ones you've collected and pin them in different arrangements on your dress or jacket or cap. And you can be making plans to trade duplicates with your pals, too. Boy, that's swell fun. You'll want to collect all 18 of them. So ask Mom to get you more of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. That's the only way you can get these slick new buttons. You don't send in any money, not even a box top. Just look inside the pet package for your prize. One of these exciting new comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. That's P-E-P, Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now back to the adventures of Superman. As the deadly atom man hidden in the dark woods begins flashing his atomic power toward the giant billion-gallon reservoir above Metropolis, Superman, high in the air a few miles away, hears the first explosion and veering swiftly sees the long, jagged green lightning leaping toward the reservoir dam. What? Great shot. It's Miller in that patch of woods. Down! Down! Rocketing down through the pale moonlight, Superman launches himself at the Atom Man, his hands outstretched like a diver's, to snatch the tiny electronic converter strapped to the atomic monster's throat. When he is almost within grasp of his prey, the Atom Man hears the great swoosh of wind, looks up and sees the Man of Steel plummeting down toward him. Quickly, he lifts his strangely mixed hand to direct the fierce atomic lightning at his unswerving foe. Struck like a giant bird on the wing, Superman's rush is halted. He falters, seems to shudder and spin completely about in the air. Wild with fury and triumph, the Atom Man shouts at him. You fool! Haven't you learned that you are helpless against me? Ah, I, I can't fight him this way. I'm losing my strength again. Up! Up! There. Just got away. Second more and I'd have been done for. All right, let him try to strike me up here. Let him exhaust his power. Uh-oh. He's shooting at the reservoir again. Better get down and draw him away. No! Pummeling downwards once more, the man of steel draws the other man's fire. Hoping and darting like a red and blue meteor. As the fierce green lightning stabs at him and stabs again and again. Crackling and hissing in the night like a thousand giant snakes. Keep away, you fool! Keep away! Savagely, the Atom Man hurls his deadly power at his swirling, darting foe. Sometimes the hideous green bolts strike home, and Superman slows and falters, only to swoop out of range barely in time. Up! Up! How will this titanic battle end? Superman is pitting all his great strength and speed against the one force on Earth, which is mightier than he is. The force which twice brought him within the very shadow of death. Can he possibly win this time when he fights for his very life and for the lives of those he loves? 
Monday brings the smashing dramatic climax of our story, fellows and girls, and a startling surprise. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises and delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude, Calabunga, to the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, there's a box just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up on the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Boasting that he would destroy every man, woman, and child in Metropolis as his first step in avenging the defeat of Germany, Henry Miller, the fanatical young Nazi in whose veins flows the deadly kryptonite which enables him to generate atomic power, prepared to explode the dam guarding the great billion-gallon reservoir in the hills above the city. While the police and army guarded the river and canal, and Superman searched for him from the night skies, Miller, hidden in a dark patch of woods in the hills, attacked the reservoir. The first sparks of jagged green lightning which leaped from his weirdly gloved hand landed just short of the dam, plowing an enormous crater in the earth. From aloft, Superman heard the explosion and launched himself down through space at his deadly foe. As we continue now, a titanic battle is raging in the pale moonlight. Miller, the atom man, pointing his metal gloved hands aloft, sends fierce shafts of green lightning hissing and crackling at Superman, who wails and spins and darts from them like some great bird, seeking an opportunity to flash in and rip the electronic converter from Miller's throat. Screaming like a maniac, Miller hurls bolt after bolt at the man of steel, watches him falter in midair like a wounded bird, and then barely swoop out of range. Come closer, I dare you! You're afraid of me! <laughs> Superman is afraid of me! Gasping for breath, his mighty muscles weakened by the bombardment of atomic power, Superman clings to the top of a tall tree, regaining his last strength. The Atom Man, whirling about, sees him and advances. His strange meshed hands outstretched. Forks of green lightning hurtling from them to pierce and shrivel the trees in his path, to rend and uproot them, and send them 
crashing to earth with a roar like Jovian thunder. Now for you, Superman! Eyes gleaming like a madman, the Nazi monster points his hands at the tree to which Superman clings, laughing triumphantly as the green atomic lightning strikes the giant trunk, coils around it like cursed twining snakes, up roots and hurls it flashes and scorched through the earth. And as Superman falls to the ground in the crashing branches, the Atom Man rushes toward him. No, I've got you! It's time you're through! Oh, keep away! As the atomic power raking and exploding the earth and branches about his fallen foe, the Atom Man races forward. But suddenly there is a violent burst of wind, blur of red and blue, and Superman bounds high from the ground, flashing up into the heavens like a comet. Raised, the Atom Man points his hands aloft and hurls deadly green lightning after him. One bolt, then another, strikes the man of steel, and his swift descent is halted. Who struggles in midair, threshes his powerful arms and legs like a desperate swimmer, and then as the third bolt strikes him, he shudders and begins to fall. Faster and faster he falls, the pale moon lighting his billowing red cape and shimmering on the silvery waters of the vast reservoir below. There is a mighty splash. Superman disappears beneath the surface of the lake. For a long minute, two minutes, there is nothing to be seen but an ever-widening circle of ripples on the smooth bosom of the water. And at the edge of the blackened, ravaged woods, the atom man who has turned the switch on the converter at his throat, instilled his deadly power, laughs long and loud. <laughs> I said I'd finish you, and I did. You're dead now, drowned. <laughs> Once again, the Atom Man touches the switch on the converter, strapped to his throat, flashing the electronic impulses through the deadly kryptonite atoms in his blood and surging toward his gloved hands, from which they emerge in the jagged green sparks of atomic energy. Now, triumphantly, he lifts his hands again, points them at the high concrete dam protecting the great reservoir. The green lightning leaps, ever lengthening, and is almost at the dam when Superman flashes upward from the deep waters of the reservoir, his costume and cape dripping, and rockets like a bullet at the Atom Man. Oh, you don't, Miller! You again! What does it take to kill you? More than you've got, my friend. You're crazy, you fool! I'll finish you now! Now! It's you who'll be finished tonight, Miller! Stop this if you can! Once more, the strange and terrible battle rages. Mouthing wild curses, the Atom Man hurls his green power again and again at his flying foe, who darts and twists from it, circles and turns in the air like a giant falcon. You'll exhaust your power, Miller. What do you do then? It won't be exhausted before I finish you and Metropolis, too. There. Now, I've got you. No. Suddenly caught by a dozen bolts of atomic lightning, Superman cries out, stricken, tries to zoom away, falters, and thuds to earth twenty yards from where Miller stands. He lies there, groaning, trying desperately to rise as the Atom Man rushes toward him, his wild floating laugh ringing through the woods. Oh. <laughs> hey, you friend, Superman! This is the end! I can't! As the Atom Man is almost upon him, Superman makes one final frenzied effort, rolls and clutches at a fallen tree, manages to throw it into the path of its murderous foe. And as the Atom Man lies stunned for a brief moment, the ghastly lightning pouring from his fingers and shattering the earth around him, Superman rises to his feet, his eyes bulging and red-rimmed, his costume stained and torn. Now's my chance. Now! Like a staggering giant, Superman reaches the Atom Man and him into his arms. Up! Up! And away! High into the pale moonlight leaps the man of steel, the fiercely struggling Atom Man in his arms. 
5,000 feet, 10,000 feet. I'll kill you! I'll kill you! I want that converter on your throat. No! No! I'll get it if I have to. Take uh, your hands off my shoulders. Uh, I'll kill you! I'll kill you! Take your hands off my chest. The atomic power is weakening me. I warned you, you fool. I said I'd finish you. Now I will. <laughs> Fastening his metal gloved hands on Superman's shoulders, the Atom Man's wild laugh rings insanely through the heavens as he witnesses his powerful force shudder, feels him weaken and throw Die! Stop Superman! It. Die! Stop it! My strength is almost gone! I. I'll drop you! Die! Oh. Die! The terrible atomic power smashes again and again at his weakened body, Superman loses consciousness. His head falls on his chest, his eyes close, and his strong arms relax their grip on his opponent. I'm falling! I'm falling! Screaming in terror, the Atom Man feels himself falling, shrieks in panic as he sees the ground miles below rushing up to meet him. A few feet away, his red cape billowing about his limp body, Superman falls too. Faster and faster, the two deadly enemies, both of them helpless now, plummet down toward the bank of the city's North Canal, where police officers and soldiers, attracted by the amazing green lightning miles above, stare upward in open-mouthed wonder. Then... There are two smashing, sickening thuds. As first the Atom Man, and then the Man of Steel strike the earth and lie still. We'll return in a moment for the dramatic climax of today's episode. But right now, here is our announcer... Dan McCullough. Say, wouldn't you feel mighty proud to be the first in your crowd to collect all 18 of those new comic buttons that come in packages of Kellogg's Pet? Why, you bet you would. They're pictures of your old funny paper favorites, you know, like Moon Mullen. And there's Smitty and, and Herbie and Smiling Jack and Superman, of course. We couldn't leave him out. But you know, the best part is you don't have to send in any money to get these swell buttons, not even a box stop. And you can't buy them anywhere. They come only as exclusive prizes in packages of Kellogg's Pet. So ask Mom to get you some of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal tomorrow. Then see which prize you find inside. One of these exciting new comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. Remember, that's P-P-P. Pet, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now back to the adventures of Superman. <laughs> Carrying the Atom Man high into the heavens... Superman lost consciousness when his deadly enemy tried to finish him with his atomic power. And both of them fell miles to Earth, where they landed on the bank of the North Canal in Metropolis. Now, a few minutes later, Superman opens his eyes to see the anxious faces of Police Inspector Henderson and General Niles of the Army looking down at him. Oh. Hello. Hello, Inspector. Are you all right, Superman? Yes, I... I think so. No, 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 no. Don't try to get up yet. No, I, I'm all right. Miller. The... The Atom Man. What about him? He's finished. Finished? Are you sure? No doubt about it. What's left of him is under the canvas over there. Oh, thank you. You saved Metropolis tonight, Superman. You certainly did, and I want to extend my thanks and the thanks to the Army. I'm General Niles, by the way. Thank you, sir. I didn't mean to let Miller die, but I carried him into the air to prevent him from exploding the dam. Then he tried to finish me. I lost consciousness. He did a wonderful job, a simply wonderful job. He's had a report of what happened at the reservoir. 
If it hadn't been for you, every man, woman, and child in Metropolis would be dead by now. We owe you more than we can ever repay. You don't owe me anything. I'm fighting for the same things you are. The end of tyranny and intolerance. Then I'll only say, thank heaven, that the worst threat America ever faced is over. I'll second that. Sorry, gentlemen, but the threat is far from over. What do you mean? It isn't. I mean that a terrible threat still remains. To me, to you, and to the entire world. Amazed, Inspector Henderson and General Niles stare at Superman. Henry Miller, the deadly atom man, is no more. So what could his conqueror mean? You who have followed this story closely may be able to guess what Superman means. Know why, at this very moment of his greatest triumph, his own life and the lives of all humanity are still in mortal danger. In tomorrow's episode, The Man of Steel explains and begins a new and thrilling adventure which is even more exciting than the one from which he has just emerged. So don't fail to be with us tomorrow. Same time, same station, for the beginning of one of the most exciting stories in all the adventures of... Superman! Faster than a speeding bullet! More powerful than a locomotive! Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound! Look! Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a feeding bullet... More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today, having triumphed over his greatest adversary, the Atom Man, he tells Inspector Henderson of a danger that still exists. We'll join him in a moment. But right now, let's hear from Dan McCullough. You know, um, Eddie's mother was kidding him the other day about the comic buttons he's wearing pinned on the back of his jacket. You know, the swell new buttons you're all collecting now from packages of Kellogg's Pet? Well, Eddie's mother said that she didn't know whether it looks more like an art gallery or a rogues gallery because those pictures of favorite comic strip characters are mighty good looking. Real bright colors and clear, sharp outlines. But, uh, well, some of the pictures are, are kind of tough looking. Take K.O., for instance, with his oversized derby hat and his, his brilliant red sweat jersey. Or Moon Mullins, he's a real comic. Big black cigar and all. Well, anyway, isn't it swell fun collecting these slick comic buttons and swapping duplicates with your friends and looking forward to getting a brand new button every time Mom opens a new package of Kellogg's Pep? That's the only way you can get them, you know. You can't buy these new comic buttons, and you don't send in any money, not even a box top. All you do is to make sure Mom gets you a good supply of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal. In every package, there's your exclusive prize. One of these dazzling new comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. Get your prize from P.E.P. Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. During his titanic battle with Henry Miller, the Nazi Atom Man, Superman carried the human monster high into the heavens. 
Forgetting his own safety and his maniacal desire to destroy his hated foe, Miller attacked the Man of Steel with his deadly atomic power. Superman lost consciousness, and the two mighty opponents fell through space to the banks of the Metropolis Canal, where police and soldiers were on guard against Miller's threat to wipe out the city that night. The fall killed the Atom Man instantly. But when Superman revived a few moments later, he amazed Police Inspector Henderson and General Niles of the Army by stating, Yes, gentlemen, a terrible threat still remains. To me, to you, and to the entire world. What do you mean? The Atom Man is dead. I know, Inspector. But two small pieces of kryptonite are still in existence. What? Kryptonite? What's that? That, General Niles, is the deadliest, most radioactive element on Earth. More powerful than uranium. Dissolved and injected into Henry Miller's veins, it gave him his atomic power. And the last two pieces of the original fragment, all there is in the world, are now in the hands of dangerous criminals. I see what you mean. You think they might create another atom man. That's exactly what I think, General. Or they may be able to create something even more terrible. What could be more terrible than a living atomic monster? Nothing. Look, Superman, how can there be two more pieces of kryptonite? There was only one piece in the first place. The original fragment that fell to Earth about a year ago. That's right, Inspector. But when the Scarlet Widow stole the fragment from the Metropolis Museum, she cut it up into four pieces. Mm. She knew it had the power to rob me of my strength. And she intended to sell the four pieces to my enemies for a million dollars each. Who is the Scarlet Widow? She's called the most dangerous woman in the world, and she's well-named. Go on, Superman. What happened to the four pieces? Der Teufel, the Nazi scientist who made Henry Miller an atom man, got the first one. He told Miller about the Scarlet Widow. So when Miller exhausted his atomic power on me in our first fight, he sent Sidney, his henchman, to the widow to get more kryptonite. Sidney bought one piece, and the widow told him she had sold the other two pieces. Sold them? To whom? Well, Sidney said she wouldn't tell him. But we've got to find the Scarlet Widow Inspector and make her tell us. Well, that's easier said than done. There's been a 48-state alarm out for her ever since she stole the kryptonite from the museum. We haven't been able to find a trace of her. Sidney knew where she was. Sure. But he's dead. They may have left some records. Well, my boys ransacked his country house and his city apartment today. Right after Clark Kent was found in his garage. Nothing showed up? Not a thing. But we're digging into his past now, trying to run down his connections. Well, I'll go back to headquarters now that this Adam Man scare is over and get to work on the case myself. You won't mind if I look over Sidney's house and apartment, will you? Of course not. But you won't find anything. I'd like to have a try, anyhow. Help yourself. Thanks, Inspector. I'll be going, then. Goodbye, General Niles. Glad to have met you. Goodbye, Superman, and thanks again for what you did tonight. That goes for me, too. Don't thank me. My own life was at stake. And until the last two pieces of kryptonite are recovered and destroyed, I'll be in danger. I'll be seeing you, Inspector. Up! Up! And away! Leaping from the bank of the canal, Superman streaks through the night skies to Sydney's country place. For hours, he searches the empty house, and then the secret cellar under the garage where he had been so close to death. He examines every inch of the floors, the walls, the ceilings. The sun has long since risen when at last he gives up and streaks back to Metropolis. Resuming the guise and garb of Clark Kent, he phones Jimmy Olsen, and a short time later, the boy reporter joins him in the late Sydney's handsome apartment overlooking the park. Well, we worried about you, Mr. Kent. Where were you all night? Taking care of the Atom Man, of course. And then... Help me go through this desk, Jim. Well, what do you mean, taking care of the Atom Man? That's what I said. I... Oh, uh, uh, why, the, the, the Atom Man story, of course. His fight with Superman. But you didn't cover that story. Well, who says I didn't? Oh, I do. We got the story from Inspector Henderson when he released it to all the papers. Well, how do you like that? I had a terrific scoop and I forgot to phone it in. What? You had a scoop on uh, the biggest story of all time and you forgot to turn it in. That's right. A fine reporter I am. Oh, I can't believe it. That's true, though. I guess I was pretty groggy. 
All I could think of was that there were still two pieces of kryptonite that had to be recovered. Oh, boy, Mr. White better not hear about this. He'll boil you in oil. He'll fire you. Oh, he'll... All right, never mind that. What we've got to do is make sure there'll never be another atom man or something even worse. Keep looking, Jim. All right. There's nothing in this drawer except the usual bills, club notices, and so on. Oh, you don't expect to find the pieces of kryptonite here, do you? Oh, no, of course not. We've got to find out about the Scarlet Widow who knows where they are. Sidney had contact with her. Judging by that and from other things I heard him tell Miller in the garage, he had powerful connections. If we can trace some of his connections, we may be able to find the widow. Oh. Why, that guy Sidney sure fooled me. Yeah, Sidney was very clever. You said it. Well, nothing in this desk. Hey, maybe there's something behind one of the pictures, huh? I heard a story on the radio. There isn't anything behind the pictures. Did you look? Yes. Oh. Well, what about the furniture? There might be something inside the lining. No, there isn't. How do you know? Well, I, uh, uh, Sidney was too smart to leave anything incriminating in the furniture. That's one of the first places the police look. Oh, they listen to the radio whodunits too, huh? <laughs> you try that crack on Inspector Henderson sometime. Come on, we'll take a look at the bedroom. Okay. Gosh, Mr. Kent, I was feeling so good about the Adam Man being finished, but, oh, now I'm just as scared as I was before. So am I. Okay, you take the dresser, Jim. I'll go through this chest of drawers. Okay. Hey... Don't you think maybe we ought to put an ad or something in the Daily Planet? Huh? To let Superman know there's still a couple of pieces of kryptonite around? Oh. He might think now that the Atom Man is done for that he's safe. Oh, he knows everything I do. How does he? Oh, you mean you saw him last night? Huh? Uh, uh, oh, I guess you could say that, yeah. Well, what do you mean you guess? Well, I was with him. Oh. Gee, this Sydney was some dude. Everything silk. Shirts, socks, pajamas. Holy cow, even his underwear. Uh-huh. Oh, with fancy monograms, too. Hey. Hey, what's this? What? This. Look, Mr. Kent. Look at this. Eagerly, Jimmy holds out a small, strange object. What is it? Has the boy reporter found a clue to the Scarlet Widow? As Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen were searching the dead Sydney's apartment for some clue to the Scarlet Widow, Jimmy made a strange discovery in a dresser drawer. He is now holding out a small, round metal object about the size of a quarter. It was in the bottom of the drawer under his pajamas, huh? First, I thought it was a coin or a medal or something, but... That's it, Jim. Hey, uh, it's all smooth, see? Except for a little design on one side. Uh Uh-huh. What do you suppose it is? I don't know. It's an odd design, just a little arc. No, no, wait a minute. There's a tiny star over one end of the arc. You know, I suppose this might represent a crescent moon and a star. Oh, what could that mean? I don't know, Jim. Maybe some secret society, huh? Yes, that could be. Sidney belonged to several clubs and societies, apparently carrying out his pose as a successful businessman. Oh, and I guess it's not important. No, probably not. Wait a minute, though. I saw this same symbol just recently. Well, you did? Where? Oh, I'm trying to remember. It's a strange place. Oh, wait a minute, I know. In Sidney's country house. Oh, so what if it's the... The symbol of some club or society he belonged to. I saw it at the bottom of an empty sheet of notepaper. The paper was folded and in an envelope addressed to Sydney. Empty paper in an addressed envelope? Yes. I thought I could see faint evidence that the paper had been written on, probably with ink that fades after a certain time. I dropped it off at the police headquarters crime laboratory. And and this crescent and star design was on the paper? That's right. It had been pressed on as if with a, a ring or a seal. It was pretty faint, but I could make it out. Oh, well, golly, if somebody sent Sidney a letter written with disappearing ink and, and this symbol was on it, maybe it is important. Yes, that's what occurred to me. 
Now, let's see. Oh, here we are. Huh? What? The phone. Who are you going to call? Harry Goldman at the planet. He's a bug on symbols of all kinds. Makes a hobby of it. If anyone will know what to... Uh-oh. What's the matter? Phone's dead. Look, Jim, you... Uh-huh. No, no, no. I, I better talk to Harry. I noticed a public phone downstairs in the lobby. I'll run down and call him. You go through the rest of those drawers. See if you find anything else, oh, will sure, you? Sure, okay. You don't have to worry about anything. There's an officer on duty in the hall. Oh, I'm not worried. Be right up there. Well, let's see. Didn't look through this drawer yet. Hmm. More papers mixed in here with his collars. They look like bills, but... Well, I guess I better check them. As Clark Kent leaves the apartment... Jimmy bends over the dresser drawer. He fails to hear the slight, almost imperceptible sound of the window being slowly raised in the adjoining bathroom. A moment later, behind Jimmy's back, a swarthy-skinned, wiry man wearing soft sandals bound with thongs slips from the bathroom and advances toward Jimmy, moving as sinuously and silently as a stalking cat. Only a few paces from the unsuspecting boy reporter, he pauses and draws a long, gleaming knife from under his jacket. Grasping the bone handle, he raises it and advances again, his thick, pale lips curling back over stained, yellowish teeth. One pace more. Another pace, and he is almost ready to strike. Fellows and girls, don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode as the story takes a strange new twist. Tune in, same time, same station, and follow the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday. Same time, same station. By the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman D.C. publication. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Yes, it's Superman. And today, as we begin a new adventure for the Man of Steel, Jimmy Olsen is in grave danger. We'll join the young reporter in a moment. But right now, here's a word from your announcer. Say, uh, I know you fellows and girls follow the adventures of your friends in the comic strips pretty regularly. And uh, nowadays, those comic strip characters are even more real and true to life because you're collecting those new comic buttons that come in packages of Kellogg's Pets. You see, first off, you get a close-up view of your favorites like uh, Winnie Winkle and, and Smiling Jack and Superman, of course, done up in full bright colors, too, on gleaming white enamel so they really show off. Then you have the fun of collecting all 18 different buttons in the series and wearing them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap and the fun of trading duplicates with your pals. Boy, it's mighty exciting, and it's the sort of fun that lasts a long time. You're always proud of your collection, and you're always looking forward to getting a new button whenever Mom opens a new package of pets. That's the only way you can get these swell buttons, you know. You can't buy them anywhere, and you don't send in any money. Don't have to spend any of your allowance. 
Why, you don't even have to send in a box stop. But inside every package of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pet, there's an exciting prize. One of these nifty new comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. Tell Mom you'll eat lots of P-P-P. Pet, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Although the Atom Man is no more, Superman is still in great danger because two pieces of kryptonite, the amazing element which robs him of his strength and which gave the Atom Man his deadly power, are in the hands of unknown enemies. In his guise of Clark Kent, Superman and Jimmy Olsen searched the apartment of the now-dead mysterious fat man known as Sidney, who had been the Atom Man's ally. When Jimmy found a strange metal coin bearing an odd symbol, Kent remembered something he had seen in Sidney's country house and left the apartment to make a phone call. A few moments later, a swarthy, dark-skinned man entered the apartment from the fire escape. Drawing a long knife, he slipped noiselessly up behind Jimmy, who was searching a dresser in the bedroom. As we continue now, a faint sound has caused Jimmy to raise his head. The mirror reflects the man behind him, and shouting wildly, the boy reporter leaps oh. sidewise as the knife plunges into the dresser top. What? Let be quiet. Get away from me. Help, Mr. Kent. Amdullah, I kill you. No, let go. Help, Mr. Kent. Now you will die. Let go. It's choking. Help. Help. Struggling frantically, Jimmy tries in vain to free himself from his assailant, whose long brown fingers tighten slowly and inexorably around his throat. Meanwhile, descending the stairs to the phone in the building lobby, Clark Kent, who is Superman, hears Jimmy's cries, and his X-ray vision pierces the floors and walls above him. Great Scott, no time to change clothes now. Back up to that apartment. Up! Burst of wind, a swift blow up three flights of stairs, and Kent is at the door of the apartment, wrenching it open. No, no. Big C-1, die! Let him go! I fix you too. Now, Mr. Kent, he's coming. Yeah, an iPhone, help Yes, I kill you. You're not killing anyone, my uh, friend. Uh, uh, oh, you won't be good, eh? Uh, All right. In that case, I'll just have to calm you down, eh? Like this. Oh, oh. I had socket on this. Are you all right, Jim? I, I guess so. You sure? Take it easy now. Here, wait a minute. I'll help you up. Come on. Oh, boy. Oh, oh boy. Got it just in time. Oh, thank heaven I did. Where, where did this fella come from? I, I don't know. I was looking through this dresser when I heard something. There he was behind me with a knife. God, he must have come in through the bathroom window. There's a fire escape outside it. Uh, what's I going wonder... on in here? Who's that? And that's the police officer who was supposed to be guarding this apartment. Oh, it's you, Mr. Kent. Mother of mercy, where do you come from? Why, I... I, I... see you going down the stairs. The next thing I know, something blows past me, and then here you are. Uh, yes, well, I... I oh, uh, who's uh, this creature laying on the floor? That's what we want to know. He tried to murder me. He did now. Yeah, and where were you? I thought you were supposed to be watching this place. Steady, never mind that, Jim. Faith, I knew you and Mr. Kent was in here. So I went to the window at the end of the hall for a bit of a smoke. Well, now, let's have a look at him. Yeah, strange-looking one he is. I think he's an Asiatic. He's an Arab. An Arab, did you say? Yeah, he said Hamdulan. Arabs say that. We heard them in the Sahara Desert last summer. Remember, Mr. Kent? Yes. wonder what he was doing here and why he attacked you. Likely one of them sneak thieves. Oh, no, hardly. Sneak thieves don't go out of their way to murder people. They'll do anything if they need money bad. Well, he didn't need money. Huh? Now, why would you be saying that, Mr. Kent? You can see how dirty and poor he is. He's dirty, all right, but he isn't poor. He has several thousand dollars in his pocket. What? Is that so now? Wait, let's see. 
Saving your life. Cheapers, look at that roll of bills. Well, how did you know he had all that money, Mr. Kent? Oh, uh, I, I happened to notice the roll sticking out of his pocket. Oh, no, three $1,000 bills. And all these hundreds. He's enough to choke a horse. Now, this is queer. With all this money in his pocket, why would he be breaking in here? Well, he might have come here to get something other than money. Or to keep us from getting it. Huh? But what would... Oh, you mean something to do with Sidney and the Adam Man. Yes. I don't know what it could be, though. We've gone through the apartment thoroughly and... Wait. Maybe. Maybe what? Oh, just a minute. He's coming, too. Uh, better put the bracelets on him, officer. That is just what I was about to do. There, that'll hold you, me lad. His eyes are opening. Boy, does he look mean. He does that. Now then, you. What were you after doing here? I say nothing. None of that now. What's your name? I say nothing. Speak up. What were you doing here? Why'd you try to knife this young fella? I say nothing. Well, we'll see about that. Up on your feet. Come on. You'll sing a different tune when I get you down to the station. I'll phone with the wagon. Uh, the phone's been disconnected, officer. Oh, it has? Mm-hmm. All right, then. We'll make the call from the lobby. Mr. Kent, young man, I'll be asking you to come along. Oh, sure, okay. Uh, just a moment, please, officer. I'd like to show this man something. Did you ever see this before? No. Are you sure? What is that funny-looking coin? Oh, I found it in Sidney's dresser. It's got a crescent and star on it. Say, maybe that's what he was after, Mr. Kent. Why would he be risking his neck for such as that? Well, I'm not sure why, or even if he did, but... You don't know what this is, eh? I not know. I'll bet he's lying. I'll bet well, he... Let's kn- not jump to conclusions, Jim. I want to know more about this man, and I think Inspector Henderson can find out. Then that's where him and me will be going now. Straight to headquarters. Come along now, and come quietly, or I'll be remembering you tried to put a knife in the lad's back, and too bad it will be for you. Okay, come on, Jim. Let's go with him and see what this is all about. Followed by Kent and Jimmy, the policeman leads the sullen, ragged Arab from Sydney's apartment. A short time later, Kent and Jimmy are in the office of Inspector Henderson at Metropolis Police Headquarters. One of my detectives was born in Cairo, Kent. He knows Arabs and he knows their language. He's working on your man now. Good. Say, uh... By the way, Inspector, I left a blank piece of note paper at your crime laboratory early this morning. It had the imprint of a crescent and star at the bottom. You mean the paper you found at Sydney's country house? Yes, that's right. Have you had a report on it? Yeah, just a few minutes ago. You were right, Kent. The paper had been written on with disappearing ink. Was the laboratory able to get anything out of it? No. But it's strange. The imprint of the crescent and the star you found on the paper, and then you're finding this coin with the same symbol in Sidney's apartment. Well, do you know what the symbol means, Inspector? No, I don't, Olson. And nobody in the department does either. I sent it over to the FBI. They may be able to come up with something. And I hope so. We've got to learn more about Sidney, about his connections. He knew how to contact the Scarlet Widow, and we must find the widow and discover what she did with the last two pieces of kryptonite. Yeah, and we better do it fast. Before somebody uses the kryptonite to create another atom man. Well, we're doing all we can. We haven't been able to trace the widow, and we haven't been able to dig up a thing about Sidney's secret connections either. This fellow was certainly a slick character if I ever saw one. And I've got a hunt that this Arab can tell us something about Sidney. If we can only make him talk. If he knows anything, we'll get it out of him, Kent. We can depend on... Excuse me. Yeah? Oh, yes, Trina. How about the arrow? He what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Oh. 
Oh, all right. I'll be right down. Bad news, Kent. The Arab is dead. Huh? Yeah. Committed suicide. But, but how? Well, he had some poison hidden under a loose crown in one of his teeth, and he swallowed it while he was being searched. I went down to the cell block with him. This way, we can cut through the finding room. Startled, Clark, Kent, and Jimmy Olsen hurry after Inspector Henderson, unaware that a much greater surprise awaits them in the cell block, hopeful that the Arab who had attacked Jimmy Olsen could give them some valuable information about the mysterious Sydney. Clark, Kent, Jimmy, and Inspector Henderson were shocked when they learned that the man had committed suicide. As we continue now, they are in the cell where the swarthy Arab, his body covered with a sheet, is stretched out on a bunk. Now, don't feel too bad, Kent. He may not have been able to help us the best. He might have been just another second-story man who broke in, got scared when he saw Jim, and tried to finish. Sure. I don't think so, Inspector. He had almost $5,000 on him. You say he has no police record? No, not with us. But we may find he has one in another city. And as for his having all that money, well, I'll admit it is unusual, but it certainly doesn't prove he had anything to do with Sydney. No, I suppose not, but... Wait a minute. What's this? Huh? What, Jen? Look! Look here, both of you. Look at what? His bare feet sticking out from under the sheet. Look at the right heel. Great Jupiter. He's been branded. With a crescent and a star. The same symbol that was on the coin I found in Sidney's apartment. Their eyes wide, Inspector Henderson and Jimmy Olsen stare at the tiny brand on the dead Arab's heel. What does this mean? Has Clark Kent discovered a clue which will lead him to the devious secrets of the mysterious Sidney? And so do the Scarlet Widow and the Kryptonite? There's excitement and mystery ahead, so don't miss tomorrow's action-packed episode when Superman, knowing that every minute counts, decides to take a desperate chance. Tune in, same time, same station, and thrill to the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman D.C. Publications. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Thank you for tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. I'm your host, Christian Phoenix. Now, growing up as a comic book fan of the 80s and 90s, I've always been fascinated with how storytellers translated these iconic heroes from the page to film, television, and radio. Long before we got the big-budget CGI epics we enjoy today, children gathered around their radios to hear their favorite do-gooders come to life with little more than their imaginations and these broadcasts from a time long forgotten. 
I invite you to gather around your radio for this presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today it would seem that the crescent and star found in Sydney's apartment is linked with some strange mystery. We'll learn more about it in a moment. But right now, let's join Dan McCullough and his young pal, Eddie, who has an idea he wants to try out. Hey, Dan, I thought your cousin Doris was coming, too. Why, she's coming, Eddie. Here I am, Eddie. What do you want? I want to try something out on you and Dan. It's a game we're going to play at a party tomorrow, and I want to see if it works all right. Okay, Eddie, shoot. Well, this is like our regular treasure hunt game, only you're hunting for one of those comic buttons from Packages of Kellogg's Pep. I see. Now, the clue I'll give you tells you where the funny paper character might be hiding. And that's where the button is. Oh, that ought to be easy. Okay, here's the first clue. You ready? Ready. I have paws, not wings, so I hide under things. Paws, not wings. Oh, I know. That's Sandy, old Fernando Sue. Right. Under things. That could mean under the sofa. Right, Doris. Find the button? Yes, here it is. Can I keep it? Ah, sorry, but it's part of my collection. We're just trying this game out. Now, what comic strip character is this, and where is the button hidden? Mother has a rule about putting them away after school. Oh, I got that one. That couldn't be anybody but K.O. He's got books under his arm. Yes, and you put books away in the bookcase. Ah, you're both doggone smart. The K.O. button is in the bookcase. Say, Eddie, you'd have a hard time hiding that Superman button, wouldn't you? Yeah, because he doesn't hide. But do you think this is a good game, Dan? Quite swell, Eddie. Like all the fun you fellows and girls are having with this series of 18 new comic buttons. And they're so easy to get, too. Sure, you don't send in any money, not even a box stop. But whenever Mom opens a new package of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep, you'll find an exciting prize inside. One of these brilliant new comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. So, gang, eat lots of P-E-P. Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Two pieces of green glowing kryptonite, the amazing element which gave the late Atom Man his deadly power, are in the hands of unknown enemies. And Superman fears they may be used against him and all humanity. Aware that Sidney, the Atom Man's dead ally, had been in contact with the Scarlet Widow, who had sold the kryptonite and disappeared, Superman and his guys of Clark Kent and Jimmy Olsen searched Sidney's apartment, where they found a small coin-like object bearing the design of a crescent and star. When Kent left the apartment for a moment, an Arab entered through a window and tried to stab Jimmy. Kent returned in time to subdue the man, who refused to answer questions, and later in a detention cell at police headquarters committed suicide. As we continue now in the cell where the Arab's body lies on a bunk, his bare feet protruding from under a sheet, Kent is pointing out a startling discovery. Listen. Inspector, Jim, look. What is it, Kent? Look, look at the bottom of this man's heel. Right there, see? Great Jupiter. He's been branded. Yeah, with a crescent and star. Keepers, the same designs on the coin we found in Sidney's apartment. Right, Jim, and on the piece of notepaper I found in Sidney's country house. Well, Inspector, do you still think this Arab had no connection with Sidney? He'll win, Kent. Yeah, but who is he? And who is Sidney? Or who was he really, I mean? And what does the crescent and star mean? Those are all $64 questions, Jim. Well, we can come pretty close to guessing two of the answers, though. Go ahead, Kent. Your guesses have been pretty good so far. Well, we know Sidney wasn't the respectable businessman he pretended to be. 
secretly, he joined up with the Atom Man, the greatest single menace civilization has ever known, and the Scarlet Widow, the most dangerous woman in the world. Well, that means he was not only a dishonest character, but a very important one. Check. Go on. It's my idea that Sidney was the leader of a powerful secret organization, and that this cretin and star is its, its symbol or, or code sign, whatever you want to call it. Say, that could be it. They use the crescent and star for identification purposes. Right. But why should members of the same organization have to be identified to each other? Well, this is only a guess, you know, but we know Sidney was very clever and very careful. Yeah? Well, the chances are his identity was not known to all the members of his organization. I mean, the small fry, the, the hired gunman, such as this Arab probably was, and so on. Mm-hmm. So, when he had to see one of them, he identified himself by the coin we found in his apartment. Oh, and they were branded on the heel. Cheapers, then, then... Look, Inspector, all you have to do is round up all the crooks in Metropolis, find out which ones have this brand on their heel, and... And, and have them lead us to their head man who will tell us where the Scarlet Widow and the two pieces of kryptonite are, huh? Well, sure. But you got to do it quick before whoever has the kryptonite can create another atom man or, or something even worse. Oh, I'm afraid it isn't that easy, Jim. I'll say it isn't. If Kent's right and Sidney did control a secret organization... The chances are the members aren't known crooks any more than Sidney or this Arab was. So far, we haven't been able to find a police record for him. Yeah, I guess you're right. Well, then what are we going to do? We, we've got to find the Scarlet Widow. Yeah, you don't have to tell me that. We're doing everything we can to trace her and to trace Sidney's past connections. And I'm going to do everything possible to identify this Arab and follow that clue. I don't know what else we can do. Do you, Kent? I know what I'm going to do. What's that? Well, what are you going to do, Mr. Kent? I'll tell you on the way. Come on. We've got to move fast. Leaving police headquarters, Kent and Jimmy hurry back to the Daily Planet, where Kent leads the way to the desk of Harry Goldman, the thin, bespectacled feature editor. Hey, Harry, you've got the largest fund of miscellaneous information locked up in that head of yours of anyone I know. I'd like to tap it. Fire away, Pappy. Okay. I made a copy of a certain design I'm curious about. Here, here it is. Tell me what you make of it, will you? It's a crescent in the star, Mr. Goldman. So I see. What do you want to know? Well, first, have you ever heard of any secret society or, or club or any other organization using that symbol? No, I can't say that I have. Oh, shucks. Just a minute, Jim. Does it have any significance at all to you, Harry? Well, the crescent is commonly used in heraldry. Uh -huh. In modern coats of arms, it indicates the second son of a noble house. Does that help you? Gosh, no. Anything else? Let's see, uh, the crescent is also the military and religious symbol of the Ottoman Turks. The Turks? Yes. Alaudin, I think it was, the Seljuk Sultan of Iconium in the 13th century, adopted the crescent as a device, and it appeared on the janissaries of the Sultan Orkin in the following century. Leaping lizards, what kind of double talk is that? Wait a minute, a great many Turks are Muslims, and so are the Arabs. Huh? Oh, you mean the Arab we caught in Sydney's apartment. I don't get it. <laughs> Now you're giving out with double talk. I was just wondering if this organization we're trying to trace could be Muslim. Gosh, you mean we've got to go to the Sahara Desert and get bumped to pieces on those camels again? Look, uh, before you buy your plane tickets, you better hear me out. I've been telling you about the Crescent only. This design you have here has a star, too. Oh? You mean a star sometimes appears with a Turkish Crescent, just as a cross might. But there's nothing distinctly Turkish or Muslim in the combination. Oh, there isn't? Then where are we? No place, I'm afraid. Unless Harry can come up with something else. I don't know, Kent. Uh, wait. In architecture, a crescent indicates a street which follows the arc of a circle. How about that? Gosh, this guy's a human encyclopedia. Circular street, eh? That's interesting. Well, what about the star? Uh-uh, forgot about that. 
The star doesn't fit there either. Well, then that's that. Well, thanks very much, Harry. Not at all. Sorry I couldn't help you. I'm starting to think nobody can. Ah, uh, we're not licked yet, Jim. Come on. See you, Harry. Thanks, Mr. Goldman. Go on. Golly, we're not getting anywhere, Mr. Kent. In any minute, whoever has those two pieces of kryptonite might... Might... Gee whiz. Oh, no, don't get the jitters. Well, how can I help it? I think there might be another Adam, man. Gosh, the first one almost killed Superman. I know, but... Uh-oh, of course. Of course what? Never mind. Sit down, Jim. Sit down? Yes, this is your desk, isn't it? I've got to take the next step alone. Without me? Or nothing I don't to... argue, Jim. Every second counts. I've got to get help, and I can't take you along. Well, why can't you? What help? There's just one man who might be able to follow the Crescent and Star and find the Scarlet Widow. There is? Well, you mean Superman? No, somebody else. But I've got to see him alone. Look, you tell the chief and Lois what happened and not to worry if I'm away for a while. Oh, where are you going? Who is this man? I can't tell you. So long, Jim. See you later. Oh, wait. Why can't you tell me? Why can't I go along? Sorry, I've got to handle this alone. So long, Jim. Bursting with curiosity, Jimmy Olsen watches Clark Kent stride swiftly from the city room. Who is the mysterious man Kent says is the only one who can lead him to the Scarlet Widow? Telling Jimmy Olsen that only one man might be able to follow the strange symbol of the Crescent and Star and find the Scarlet Widow, Clark Kent left the Daily Planet and drove across town to a fashionable residential district. Parking in front of a handsome brick house in which he knew as Superman that Batman and his young companion Robin lived under their true names of Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, he crossed the well-kept lawn and rang the doorbell. As we continue now, Bruce Wayne, wearing a gray tweed suit, is opening the door. Yes? Hello, Batman. What, what did you call me? Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. I, I mean, Wayne. Who are you? What? Oh, of course. I'm Clark Kent, reporter for the Daily Planet. Well, uh, come inside. Thanks. Uh, come into the library, please. Yes, sir. Listen, I, uh, I need your help very uh, badly. Sit down. Thanks. Now, look, Wayne... Uh, why did you call me Batman? Why... <laughs> I, I don't know. I guess I've got Batman on my mind. I need his help desperately, and I came here to ask you to help me contact him. What makes you think I can contact him? Well, uh... uh why... Stop hemming and hawing, Kent. Give it to me straight. Okay, I will. I understood from Superman that you can get hold of Batman. I don't believe you. What? Well, now, look here. I don't lie. If you expect me to believe that Superman told you to contact Batman through me, you're wasting your time. I'll show you to the door. No, 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 wait. This is urgent, terribly urgent. I must see Batman. I won't say that someone who needed him badly put a man in the newspapers. And he happened to see it. Why don't you try that? It's too late to make the evening editions, and I can't wait until tomorrow. This is a matter of life and death for me, for Superman. For Superman? Are you kidding? No, I'm not. Now... How can I get you to believe me? There's just one way, Kent. What's that? Come clean. What do you mean? You know what I mean. Tell me why you think I can contact Batman. Well, I told you. You said Superman told you I could. Yes. And I said I didn't believe you. Now, tell me the truth, Kent. Or I'm sorry, I'll have to ask you to leave. Oh, what'll I do? You're the only person who can help me. The only one. I'm waiting, Kent. I know, but I, I don't know what to do. I, I, I don't know. I, I need your help. I, I've got to have it, but... I, I don't know what to tell you, or... Or how? Torn with indecision, Clark Kent hesitates, unable to make up his mind whether or not to reveal his most cherished secret, the secret he has guarded with his very life, that he is Superman. But unless he does reveal his true identity, he may lose the cooperation of Batman. And only Batman, he feels, can help him trace the clue of the Crescent and Star, locate the Scarlet Widow, and get possession of the two pieces of deadly kryptonite. What decision will Kent make? 
Don't miss tomorrow's exciting episode, fellows and girls. It's full of surprises and thrills. So tune in, same time, same station, for the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Ooh, yeah, let me tell you something right here, uh huh. It's the Loot Crate subscription box, yeah, full of exclusive loot on surprises delivered to your door every month. Just pick up your favorite geeky genre, daddy. <laughs> From the original Loot Crate, the Loot Crate DX collectible boxes, dude. Cowabunga! To the Loot Gaming video game box. Woohoo! Wowzers! With crates starting as large as $11.99 per month, those are backs just about for all collectors. To get your geek on, head over to phoenixmedia.us forward slash loot crate and claim your exclusive offer. That's F E N I X media.us forward slash loot crate. Great Scott! Snap into a loot crate, it! You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today, the Man of Steel is faced with a decision. The most difficult he has ever had to make. We'll join him at the home of the famous Batman in just a moment. But right now, here's a word from Dan McCullough. You know, it's getting so that whenever two or more kids get together, all they talk about is their collections of comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pet. First, there's the business of showing how many you've collected, and then there's trading duplicates to add to your collection. Here's how that works. Uh, Suppose you have two buttons with Superman on them, and your friend has two Moon Mullins buttons. Well, you swap your extra Superman for his extra Moon Mullins. And then you each have a different button to add to your collection. Fun? Why, I'll say so. And these buttons are all so doggone smart looking that, well, you get a great kick out of wearing them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap for everybody to see. They're bright colored as can be. Brilliant blue and red and black on a gleaming white background. And they're just about as big around as a nickel. Now... Here's how you get these swell buttons. Just ask Mom to get you plenty of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pep. That's all there is to it. You don't send in either money or a box top. You can't even buy these comic buttons anywhere. All you do is to look inside the Pep package for your prize. An exciting new comic button or a military insignia or warplane button. Ask Mom for P-E-P, Pep, made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now the adventures of Superman. Although the other man is dead, Superman is still in mortal danger. Two pieces of kryptonite, the rare element which gave the other man his deadly atomic power, are in the hands of unknown enemies. 
aware that Sidney, the late ally of the Atom Man, had been in contact with the Scarlet Widow, who had stolen the original kryptonite fragment, Superman searched Sidney's apartment and found a strange coin engraved with a crescent moon and star. The same symbol was later found branded on the heel of a dead Arab who had been in the apartment. Hoping that the famous Batman could help him, Superman, in his guise of Clark Kent, visited the house where Batman and his young companion Robin reside under their true names of Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. But when Kent asked Wayne to contact Batman, Wayne became suspicious. As we continue now in his library, Bruce Wayne, alias Batman, and Clark Kent, alias Superman, face one another. Listen. You might just as well come clean, Kent. What makes you think I can contact Batman? I told you. You said Superman said I could. Yes? And I said I didn't believe you. Now, tell me the truth, or I'm sorry. I'll have to ask you to leave. I... Well, it's just... All right, Wayne. All right, I'll tell you. I'm going to reveal a secret which no one else in the world knows, but which many would pay millions to know. Well, this sounds very interesting. It is. I've guarded this secret with my very life. But now, not only my own life is at stake, but all civilization. I need Batman's help desperately. So I'm going to take you into my confidence and trust you never to betray me. You're giving the secret quite a build-up. What is it? It's this. You see, Wayne, I... I... Yes? I am Superman. What? Yes. Yes, I, Clark Kent, am Superman. Well, well, what do you know? Superman, unmasked at last, huh? You uh, didn't get hit on the head by a brick or something on the way here, did you? Oh, apparently you don't believe me. Uh, let's just say I'm uh, I'm skeptical. Well, then I'll prove it to you. Here, I wear my costume under my street clothes. There we are. Now, off with my glasses, like this. Say, you do look like Superman. Naturally, because I am. Well, now you sound like him, too. Naturally, again. Well, are you satisfied, Wayne? No, of course not. A good actor can impersonate almost anyone. And costumes are easy to get. Oh, I see. Well, then I'll prove it by... No, no, hold on. Let me give you some tests. (laughs) Just in case I've arranged some hocus-pocus with mirrors and what have you, eh? Uh, maybe. Now, look, uh, Superman has X-ray vision, right? Right. I can see through anything but lead. Okay. Tell me what I have in my right trousers pocket. Oh, that's easy. A bunch of keys, two quarters. Let's see now. Their dates are 1906 and... uh, The other one's upside down. 1917. Mm -hmm. Two quarters, all right. Now, uh, what do you say their dates were? 1906 and 1917. Right? Yes. Are you satisfied now? Uh, not quite. You might have, uh, uh don't misunderstand me, but you well, might... I might be a sleight of hand artist and slip those coins into your pocket, eh? I didn't say that. But you meant it. All right, what's your next test? Let's work fast. My business is urgent. Uh, this won't take long if you are Superman. Uh, come over here, will you? Certainly. What'll it be? Wait till I open this window. There we are. Now, just one more test. And if you pass it, I'll believe you're Superman. Sure. See that flagpole at the rear of my lawn? Yes. It's 60 feet high. Let's see you place this quarter on top of it and return here within three seconds. Or uh, should we call the whole thing off? Are you kidding? Step aside, please. Okay. Watch closely. Out and away! Well, do I pass, teacher? You certainly do. I hope you'll forgive all this waste of time, but... I apologize. I don't blame you at all. Batman. What? Then you did know who I was all the time. Of course. 
Can't you guess how? Why, sure. Your X-ray vision saw through my mask and hood that last time we worked together. Uh-huh. So that when you saw me today as Bruce Wayne, you recognized me at once. That's right. And what's more... Well, dust me off and polish my shoes, Superman. Hello, Robin. Uh, I mean, Dick. Oh, you know who he is, too. Uh-huh. What do you mean he knows who I am, too? Uh, Superman is on to us, Dick. What? Well, you mean he knows you... He you... knows I'm Batman. Christopher Columbus. Oh, but that's fair enough. He's told me his other identity. What? No kidding. Who is he? I'm afraid that'll have to remain a secret for the time being, Robin. And now, Superman, you said you needed my help. I certainly do. The Atom Man is dead, but uh, thanks to you. Make those thanks for two. Well, I was lucky. He could have finished me if he'd listened to Sidney and stayed with me, keeping me helpless under the influence of the kryptonite in his blood until I starved to death. Listen, is it true this, this kryptonite has the Indian sign on you? Yes, Robin, it has. It's a fragment of the former planet Krypton where I was born. But here in the atmosphere of Earth, for some strange chemical reason, I get weak when it's brought within ten feet of me. Gee, uh, Go on, Superman. Well, that's the first reason I need your help. Because I can't get near the kryptonite. And there are two pieces of the original fragment still in existence in the hands of our enemies. Now, listen closely while I tell you everything that's happened so far. Speaking swiftly, but omitting no detail, Superman brings Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, who are in reality Batman and Robin, up to date on the story of the kryptonite. He tells them of the Scarlet Widow and the mysterious Sidney, the late advisor of the Atom Man, of the strange coin found in Sidney's apartment, engraved with the symbol of a crescent and star, and of the dead Arab with the same cryptic symbol branded on his right heel. And that's why I have every reason to believe that Sidney was one of the leaders of a powerful secret organization using the symbol of a crescent and star. The Scarlet Widow either belongs to the organization or she has contact with it. And by tracing the organization, you think we can locate the Scarlet Widow and force her to tell us to whom she sold the last two pieces of kryptonite, is that it? Right. You see, I know you and Robin have a wide knowledge of the underworld. You fought the big crooks and the hangers-on for years. It's my hunch that somewhere among them we'll pick up a clue to the people we want. Of course, it's a dangerous mission I'm asking you to undertake. I'm used to danger. You can count on me to do everything I can. I knew I could. Thanks, Lois. And count me in, too. I'll blow those bugles and beat those drums. Where do we go from here, Brian? I know exactly where we're going. And right now... I'm listening. I'll tell you on the way. I'll contact you later, Superman. Perhaps even tonight. You sure you don't want me to go along with you? No, I think Robin and I can do this job better alone. All right, but call on me if you need me. You, uh, know how to contact me? <laughs> you bet I do. Uh-oh. Five o'clock. We've got a lot to do and just one hour to do it in. So long, Superman. So long and good luck. You don't mind if I use this window to leave by, do you? Help yourself. Right out. Out and away! You look at him go. We're going places ourselves. Come on. Lead the way, Pappy, and just try to lose me. Followed by the eager Dick Grayson, Bruce Wayne hurries from his house and enters his Batmobile car. On the trail of the two pieces of kryptonite, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, who in reality are the famous Batman and Robin, made a brief call at police headquarters and then drove to the shabby waterfront district. Before leaving their car, they disguised themselves as ragged, seedy individuals. Now, caps pulled low over their eyes, they are lounging against some rotting pilings at the street end of a long pier. It is early evening, but the fog swirling in from the harbor shrouds the street lamps to pale yellowish blurs. Maybe I'm dumber than usual tonight, Batman, but I don't get it. Why do we want to see a no-good rat like Squealy Evers? It's simple, Robin. He knows what's cooking in every dirty pot in Metropolis. And for a price, he'll talk. Oh, you figure he might know something about the Star and Crescent, huh? Not so loud. Yes. But Squealy's so crooked he puts a corkscrew to shame. How can we trust him? We're not going to trust him. We're just going to request a little information. Something tells me we'll get a knife in the back. Stop worrying. 
It makes wrinkles. That's the way I want to die, old and wrinkled. Scared, Mr. Grayson? No, not scared. I just got a yen to see the sun come up tomorrow. It will come up. Sure, but I want to see it. I... But, no, but no, here he comes. Oh. Squilly, of course, and right on time. He always makes this beat around six o'clock. What if he sees through these rags and catches on who we are? Yeah, quiet now, here he is. There's Squealy. Huh? Hello, Squealy. Yeah. What do you want? A little information. Who are you? Oh, um, my name is George Robinson. I'm uh, his brother Jack. You know, quick. Uh, cut it out. You a cop? No, but uh, I've got $200. Let's see it. Yeah, here it is. Nice and fresh. Uh uh uh. Mustn't touch. Pretty little cabbage leaves, aren't they, Squealy? What do you want to know? Whatever you can tell us about this coin. What the? The Crescent and Star. Where'd you get this? What's the difference? What do you know about it? For 200 bucks. Can you help us? Yeah. Yeah, I can help you. You can? Yeah, I can help you a lot. All right, Squealy. Start talking. Eagerly, Batman and Robin wait for the stooped, ferret-faced man to speak as the gray fog swirls around them. What will he tell them? And will it lead our friends to the mysterious organization they seek and to the missing kryptonite? Monday's episode is tense and exciting, fellows and girls, so don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, as Batman and Robin combine with the Man of Steel to stave off the greatest threat ever directed at the world in the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman. Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today, his famous friends, Batman and Robin, are hoping to gain some information for him concerning the mysterious crescent moon and star symbols. We'll join them in a moment. But right now, let's hear what Dan McCullough has in store for us. Say, I just heard about a fellow and a girl who are having a load of fun out of these exciting comic buttons from packages of Kellogg's Pep by long distance. That's right. Yes, sir. You see, they're cousins, and they live about 100 miles from each other, but they write letters every week telling how many buttons they've collected so far and, and which new ones they have and, and how they've traded duplicates with their pals. Of course, they're mighty proud of these smart-looking buttons because the colors are so bright and clear and the pictures of your favorite funny sheet characters stand out like anything. And remember, gang, there are 18 different comic buttons in all. Why, you'll want to collect every single one of them. Just make sure Mom gets you a good supply of that super delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pet. Because that's the prize package. The only way you can get these swell comic buttons. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop. Can't even buy them anywhere. But inside every package of pets, there's an exclusive prize. One of these bright-colored new comic buttons or a military insignia or warplane button. That's P-E-P, Pep. 
Made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now the adventures of Superman. Although the Atom Man is dead, two pieces of kryptonite, the deadly element which gave him atomic power, are still in existence. Fearful that they may be used to create another atomic monster or something even more horrible, Superman called on the famous Batman and Robin for aid in locating the Scarlet Widow, who had stolen the original kryptonite fragment. Their only clue to her was a mysterious coin engraved with a crescent moon and a star, which Superman had found in the apartment of Sydney to lay the lie of the Atom Man. Disguised as seedy, down-at-the-heel characters, Batman and Robin drove to the waterfront that evening and contacted a shabby, ferret-faced man known as Squealy Evers, who collected and sold information to members of the criminal world. As we continue now, at the street end of a fog-shrouded pier, Batman and Robin, calling themselves George and Jack Robinson, have just showed the strange coin to Squealy. Listen. What is it? Quarter? Look again, Squealy. What the... Crescent and star. Where'd you get it? What's the difference? Can you give us any information about it? $200 in cash if you can. How about it, Squealy? Yeah. I can help you. You can? Can? Yeah. I can help you a lot. Well, give, Squealy. Give. I'll take the 200 bucks first. Nothing doing. We gotta see the merchandise. Give me the dough or I don't talk. Now, wait a minute. Uh, let me handle this, while, uh, Jack. Here's a hundred, Squealy. You get the other hundred when you spoke in your piece. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess that's okay. Here you are. Thanks. I'll get this, you guys. I don't know where you've got the gimme. What? That thing. The coin with the crescent star on it. Never mind where. And I don't know who you are. We're Mrs. Robinson's boys, George and Jack. I'm Jack, the one you say quick at. Okay, George and Jack. I'm going to tell you something worth lots more than 200 bucks, see? Stop stalling. Give. We're all ears. Then listen. Take my advice and drop the coin in the sewer. Huh? Then beat it out of here and forget all about it. Don't ask nobody no questions about it. Don't try to find out nothing. Just forget it. Are you kidding? What kind of talk is that, Squealy? Smart talk. And like I say, worth a lot more than 200 bucks. I'll take the hundred now. Not so fast. We're buying information, not advice. I'm giving you information on how to stay healthy. <laughs> For $200, you ought to throw in a bottle of vitamins. I cut the wisecrack. Now, look, sweetie. We don't scare easily. So if you've got something to sell us, let's have it. Or we'll take our money back and be on our way. And that's our advice to you. Listen, will you? I knew three other guys wanted to know about the Crescent and Starseed. Guys just as smart as you think you are. And two of them bigger and tougher. And where are they now? Oh, right where? One of them was found floating out in the harbor, not too far from this pier. He wasn't out there taking a swim. He had a knife in his back. That's all very interesting. Gruesome is a better word. But it doesn't tell us what we want to know. Take my advice, buddy, and don't try to find out nothing. There's easier ways to commit suicide. Then you think the people we're, um, curious about, uh, took care of those three men? I didn't say that. I just said they were inquiring, see? Just like you are. Then each one had an accident. I get it. Yeah. All right, you've done your duty. Now, suppose you stop trying to scare us and tell us what we want to know. I told you all I'm going to tell you. For your own good. Now, give me that other C-note. I got a scratch. What for? You didn't tell us anything. Well, no. I told you how to save your hides. Thanks very much. But that wasn't the information we came to you for. We want to know who's behind the secret symbol and where we can find them. I don't know. I don't know no more than I told you. Nobody does. Come clean, Squealy. I swear. 
Please, mister, I gotta beat it. Give me my door. Okay. Here. Here you are. What? Hey, wait a minute. Thanks. Good night. Be smart. Do like I told you. Well, he sure made a sucker out of you, Batman. Not so loud, Robin. I know what I'm doing. Oh, yeah? You paid that fox $200 for telling us exactly nothing. Not quite nothing. I call it nothing. We knew the gang were trailing a bad actors. He didn't have to tell us. Will you keep your voice down? Come on. Where to? Squealy, of course. What do you want to do, tip him another hundred? I want to find out where he's going. He's probably going to look for another sucker. The way you fell, he must think this is his lucky night. Maybe it'll turn out to be our lucky night. You mean handing out good money to a water rat is lucky? I know. Really gives us a lead to the people we're looking for. It'll be worth ten times what we paid him. How's he going to give us a lead? Squealy gets well paid by the racketeers in this town for passing along tidy bits of information. So? So, I think he might consider his little interview with us a tidy bit of information and pass it along to some interested parties. Catch on? So that's it. You think he's hot-footing to tell the Crescent and Storm Rob about us, huh? And if we tell him, you'll find Ain't out... Take it easy, Rob. I'm just hoping. Oh, quick. Into the doorway. What's the idea? Stop and turn around. See? So what? He can't make us out in this fog. Then taking any chances. All right. He's moving now. Let's go. Yeah, I should have known better than to call you a sucker, Batman. You knew all the time he intended to double-cross us, huh? I was sure he knew something about the people we want. Maybe not much, but something. Because he knows a little about everything crooked that goes on around here. So when he refused to tell us anything at all, I figured he might try to sell in any information we gave him to whoever's behind the crescent and star. Now, careful. Careful crossing the street. Car might not see us in the spot. Okay. But look, if you thought that, why did you pay him the money? Just on the off chance that he'd think I was a sucker, the way you did. And not watch too closely to see if we were training him. He... Quick, duck back. He's turning around again. Look, he's going into that coffee joint. Come on, step on it. We're not going in after him, are we? Of course not. Unless he steps into a phone booth. But I want to see what he does. And if he meets anybody... Is this as fast as you can walk? I'm taking it easy out of respect for your age. Oh, thanks. Okay, hold it. Now, come on up to the window. You'll see us. No, no. It's light in there and we're out in the dark. There he is, sitting at the counter. All right. Now keep your eyes open. And don't get too close to the window. Standing on the dark, fog-swept sidewalk, Batman and Robin peer into the shabby coffee shop at the gray, ferret-faced man, who they hope will lead them to the mysterious people they seek. Batman and Robin have trailed a man called Squealy Evers, an underworld informer, to a shabby coffee shop on the Metropolis waterfront. Standing outside in the fog-swept darkness, they peer in through the dirty plate glass window, watching Squealy's every move. Meanwhile, within the shop where a radio is playing softly, the informer sits alone at the counter, paying no attention to the few other customers who sit a few stools away. When the waiter sets a cup of coffee before him, Squealy speaks to him in a low, barely perceptible voice, scarcely moving his lips. Call the boss, Tommy. Tell him two guys were asking me about the Crescent and Star. What two guys? Big guy and a kid. Go get me a crullin' or something now. Don't make out like you're talking to me. They're out front. Okay. Hey, uh, mister. Now, what's the dope? 
they call themselves Robinson, but that ain't their name. I tried to scare them off, but they didn't scare. They think I don't know they're killing me. Tell the boss I'll stand down Front Street and around behind the North Docks. Now scram, call from the kitchen. Don't come near me no more. Okay. Methodically, the gray ferret-faced informer munches his crawler and drinks his coffee. Then, rising, he drops a quarter on the counter, selects a toothpick from a bowl, and moves in the stoop-shouldered gate to the door. He opens the door and steps into the street. For a moment, he stands idly, glancing about him, then begins walking up the street, the fog swirling about his shabby, stoop-shouldered figure. When he is almost lost to sight, Batman and Robin slip from the doorway and start after him. Come on, Robin. After him. I'm with you. I hope he leads us to a more interesting place than that coffee shop this time. That was a washer. Apparently. What do you mean, apparently? It was. All he did was eat a crawler and drink a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah, and suck a toothpick. Keep your chin up, Robin. Maybe the next stop will pay off. Swiftly, Batman and Robin slip through the fog behind Squealy Evers, unaware that the gray informer is leading them into a deadly trap. What will happen now? Tomorrow's episode is packed with tense action and excitement, fellows and girls. So don't miss it. Be with us at the same time, same station, when Batman and Robin battle terrific odds as only they can in The Adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. You're tuning in to Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater, presented by Phoenix Media. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane. It's Superman. Yes, it's Superman. And today, Batman and Robin are walking straight into a trap set by the wily informer, Squealy Evers. We'll learn the outcome in a moment. But right now, here's Dan McCullough with a nifty suggestion. Let's have it, Dan. Okay, you know, there's a young fellow in our block who's got a new game. It's built around those comic buttons you fellows and girls are all collecting from packages of Kellogg's Pet. Well, I thought that maybe you'd like to try it. You see, it's a guessing game, identifying the different funny paper characters... And you get a score every time you know the right answer. For instance, uh, one time it might be about the hats they wear. Somebody would ask, who wears a white derby? And the answer would be Moon Mullins, sure. Or, uh, who wears a skating cap? You know that one? Why, that'd be Lillums. Or maybe, who never wears a hat? Think now. Why, sure, Superman, of course. Isn't that fun? Yes, sir, there's no end to the fun you can have with these swell comic buttons. 
And they're so bright-colored and smart-looking that, well, you're mighty proud to wear them and, and, and collect them and wear them pinned on your jacket or your dress or cap. Of course, there's only one way to get these comic buttons. You don't send in any money, not even a box stop, and you can't buy them. But whenever Mom opens a new package of that super-delicious whole wheat flake cereal, Kellogg's Pet... There's an exclusive prize for you. One of these brilliant new comic buttons or a military insignia or a warplane button. Ask Mom to get you lots of P-E-P. Pep. Made by Kellogg's of Battle Creek. Now, the adventures of Superman. Two pieces of kryptonite, the strange and deadly element that gave the late Atom Man his atomic power, are still at large. Fearful that they may be used to create another Atom Man or something even more terrible... Superman enlisted the aid of Batman and Robin in his search for them. Their only clue is a strange silver coin, engraved with a crescent moon and star, which Superman believes is a symbol of a powerful secret organization. At the Metropolis waterfront, Batman and Robin, disguised in tattered clothes, contacted a criminal informer known as Squealy Evers, who warned them to give up their search. Our friends trailed him to a shabby coffee shop, where, unseen by them, he mumbled a message to the waiter. As we continue now, unaware that they are being led into a trap, Batman and Robin are trailing the gray, stooped figures of Squealy Evers through the dark, fog-bound waterfront streets. Listen. Look, Batman, I just thought of something. Don't think so loud, Robin. He's almost a block ahead. He can't hear us. Just the same. Okay. But listen, you said you figure Squealy's on his way to tip off the Crescent and Star Mob that we've been inquiring about them. I said I hoped he was. Okay. But if he knows who they are and can get money for tipping them off about nosy gents like us... Why didn't he just lead us into their arms like a couple of lambs to slaughter? Informers don't work that way, Robin. What do you mean? Informers are cowards. The hyenas of the criminal jungle. They put the finger on the victims, but let others do the actual dirty work. They are never found on the scene of a crime. Rarely even carry weapons. Mm, they keep their own dirty skirts clean, huh? Mm, that's right. Lovely character. They don't come any worse. They... Oh, behind these piles, quick. What's up now? Squeeze, stop and turn around again. It's hard to see in this fog. Yeah, I see him. But did he see us? I hope not. But he might have. That's a sweet thought. If he does know we're tailing him, he might be leading us into a trap. Could be. Well, come on. You hit the road again. Could be, huh? You must say you're cool enough about it. What do you want me to do? Run a temperature? No, but if it's all the same to you, let's strip down to our costumes just in case. Mm, Might be a good idea. These old shoes we're wearing make a lot of noise on the pavement. All right, let's change. Work fast, Robin. We don't want to lose him. I'd like to lose him on a desert island and do the world a favor. Oh, don't be silly. I'm hoping that Squealy... Squealy will give us a lead to the two pieces of kryptonite. When I remember what Superman said about somebody maybe creating another atom man with a kryptonite, I get more duck bumps than a... A duck? Thanks. You're welcome. You ready? All set. Mask on? Yep. All right, let's go then. I'm a double till we spot him again. him yet? Not yet. Golly, I hope we didn't lose him. I don't see how we could. No place he could have turned. Oh, 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 slow down. There he is. Where? Turn left at that big stack of packing cases there. Yeah, looks like the beginning of a dock. Come on. What's he going out on a dock for? Your guess is as good as mine. We'll soon find out. Don't trip over those sacks. I just want to trip over those two pieces of kryptonite. Okay. Here's where Squealy turned off. Come on. Hold it, Robert. What now? I don't see our ferret-faced friend. No. Neither do I. Where'd he go? Search me. There's just this long aisle running up the dock. 
Maybe he wised up. We were trailing him and ducked behind one of the packing cases. Looking for somebody, boys? Who said that? Somebody up ahead on the right. Okay, boys, let him have it. Robin, watch out. I'm going to take a lovely chin. Just right for a haymaker. Hey, hey, Batman and Robin. Now you don't, Judge. Stop this Nice going, Batman. Have you bums seen my flying tackle lately? You guaranteed to bring the house down. Put that gun down. It might go off, I said. Oh, you weren't. Okay. When you wake up, remember where you got the pack on? Batman, you okay? Never better. How are you doing? Not so good. I'm running out of punching bags. Hey, the cops, let me out of here. Not so fast, ugly foot. Never mind that last one, Robin. Come back here. Well, well, well. Two more wells. I count five sleeping beauty. Yes. That was a trap that failed to click. A trap? Well, you figure friend Squealy walked us into it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, what's going on there? Right this way, officer. You can put your hardware up. The fun is over. Telling the two police officers what had happened, Batman and Robin helped load the five unconscious men into their squad car and accompanied the police to headquarters. Where, a short time later, having phoned Clark Kent to join them, we find Batman, Robin, and Kent in Inspector Henderson's office. We've had those five mugs on the grill for half an hour, but there's no soap. You mean they won't talk, Inspector? Oh, they talk all right, Batman, but they won't give us any answers that help. They swear they don't know Squealy Evers, and they never heard of an organization using the symbol of a crescent moon and a star. I suppose they just jumped us for the exercise, huh? Well, they started to tell the usual story. They were minding their own business, and you fellas came along and said something that started a fight. We soon wore that up, though. And then they admitted they'd been hired to beat you up. They kill us, you mean? They had guns. Who hired them, Inspector? Well, they say they never saw the man before. He met two of them at a bar, described you, told them you'd be passing the dock, and gave them $500 to give you the works. That's a lie. Maybe. But we can't prove it. Uh, by the way, Inspector, I suppose you examined the men thoroughly? Of course. What do you ask, Kent? Well, I was just wondering if any of them had the crescent and star branded on his heel, like the Arab I caught in Sydney's apartment. That's right. How about it, Inspector? Don't worry. I looked them over myself. Nothing doing. Shucks. But I still say they're lying. No, I think they're telling the truth, Robin. Huh? What do you mean, Kent? Just this, Batman. If it was the leader of the crescent and star who ordered you and Robin wiped out... Who else could it have been? Well, you have plenty of other enemies, haven't you? Yes, but I'm sure they didn't spot us in the waterfront tonight. Besides, we were disguised. We might have been trailing you. But anyway, let's assume it was the leader or leaders of the Crescent and Star, and I'm inclined to think it was. We know they're clever and very careful to keep their identity secret. So it stands to reason they wouldn't let these hired gunmen know who they are or anything about them, doesn't it? How about the Arab you caught, Kent? He had the brand on his heel and committed suicide before we could question him. So he must have known about them. Well, the chances are the guys we're looking for didn't have time to send their own men tonight or didn't have any available on such short notice. Or maybe after what happened to the Arab, they might have just preferred to play safe and use outsiders. I think you're right, Kent. Oh, Kent's always right, confounded. I want to be around just one time when he's wrong. Oh, I've been wrong plenty of times, Inspector. And it looks like Batman and I scored a great big goose egg tonight. Oh, no, you didn't, Robin. Well, what do you mean we didn't? You made a very important discovery which should lead us to the people we're looking for. Huh? What? What discovery, Kent? Well, I don't know exactly what it is yet, but if you'll drive back to the waterfront with me, I'll find it for you within ten minutes. Are you kidding? I was never more serious in my life. Then what are we waiting for? Come on, Robin, let's go, Inspector. I can't leave now. I've got a lineup. We'll call you later, then. Lead the way, Kent. Okay. Step on it, Robin. Leaving police headquarters, Clark, Kent, Batman, and Robin hurry out to Kent's car parked at the curb. What did Kent mean? Stating that Batman and Robin had made an important discovery and that he would show it to them within ten minutes, 
Clark Kent drove them back to the mass of rotting pilings on the dark, fog-swept waterfront, where they had first contacted the informer, Squealy Evers. It was right here that we met Squealy, Kent. Uh-huh. Okay. Which way did he go when he left you? Straight up the street. Right. Here we go. Where? I want to follow his trail exactly as you did. I'll drive slowly. You tell me what turns to make, Batman. What's the idea, Mr. Kent? At some point, Robin, Squealy contacted somebody who had those goons sent to the docks to ambush you, or else Mr. Somebody passed on the information to someone else who sent the goons out. But he didn't contact anyone. We were right behind him all the time. He was never out of our sight. Except for the minute or so when we stripped down to our costumes. He must have contacted someone. If he'd steered you into those mobsters by accident, he'd have been caught, too. It's my hunch that he left a note somewhere. Maybe in some pilings where someone was waiting and we didn't notice it in the fog. Oh, I admit it's not too good a hunt. Wait a minute. What? Of course, we were dumb, Robin. How come? The coffee shop. What coffee shop? Squealy stopped in a coffee shop for a crawl and a cup of java. It must have been there. But we were watching him every second. He didn't sit next to anybody. He didn't make a phone call. He didn't write any notes. And he didn't talk to anyone. Oh, no? How about the waiter? Christopher Columbus. I never thought of that. Uh-huh. Now we're getting someplace. That's what I meant when I said I'd show you the discovery you made. You weren't aware of it at the time. Where is this coffee shop? Up the street. Just a couple of blocks. Right. You tell me where to stop. You bet. Oh, it must have been the waiter. He was only near Squealy for a few seconds. But that was enough to get the tip off. Step on it, Kent. I am. Just keep your fingers crossed that the waiter didn't disappear like Squealy did. Jamming his foot down on the accelerator, Clark Kent sends the car leaping through the foggy night toward the shabby little coffee shop. Is the waiter still there? And if he is, can he be forced to reveal the identity of whoever is behind the mysterious crescent and star... Tomorrow's episode is packed with thrills and excitement, fellows and girls. So don't miss it. Tune in, same time, same station, as the famous Batman and Robin join forces with the Man of Steel in the adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Up in the sky, it's a bird, it's a plane, it's Superman! Fellows and girls, be sure to follow the adventures of Superman. Brought to you every day, Monday through Friday, same time, same station, by the grand old Kellogg Company of Battle Creek. And for other thrilling adventures of Superman, see your local newspaper. Superman is also a copyrighted feature, appearing in Superman DC Publications. Get this and previous episodes of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater wherever you get podcasts or by visiting phoenixmedia.us forward slash silverageheroes. Join us again, same bat time, same bat station, for another presentation of Silver Age Heroes Radio Theater. Excelsior! Excelsior!